0: Uh, I know that some in our audience know the finer points of hockey. The
1: Chris Johnston Show.
0: We are your friends.
1: The biggest stories bringing you inside
0: the game. What did you hear? The Chris Johnston Show. Powered by Sports Interaction. Canada's Sportsbook. What is going on? Here's Chris with your host, Julian McKenzie. Part of the game. Episode 99. 99 episodes of The Chris Johnston Show. It's not 100 yet, but uh, 99 is still a very special number for us and, of course, in the hockey community. Congratulations on episode 99. We'll get to 100 on Thursday, but congratulations on episode 99, Siege.
1: Yeah, and we've got 99 represented right over my shoulder here, if you're watching us on YouTube.
0: I love the pointing.
1: Got a little Wayne Gretzky in the background.
0: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Craziness. Yeah. This episode is going to be really packed. With a lot of hockey news that uh, transpired from over the weekend, and it'll get a little uh, more serious later on. But I figured it would be good for us to start a little light. And the roster deadline just passed on Monday for all 32 teams. I was just curious, Siege, considering all the the training camp battles. I know, a preseason, we're not watching every single preseason game, but is there anyone? either in Toronto or around the league who you're happy to see make an NHL roster ahead of the start of the se- of the season ahead of the start of the season, excluding Nashville and and San Jose. Well, then again, there is a, there is one player out of Nashville, I guess who could really count for this and Cody glass, but is there anyone else?
1: You know, I, I think the easiest answer for me, I'm a sucker for some of the older guys that are still fighting for their careers and, and, you know, a lot of players went to camps on PTOs this, this year more than ever, and quite a few of them have earned jobs. You know, Derek Brassard signed in Ottawa on the, on the last day before the rosters were cut down. You know, you had Zach Aston Reese get his deal in Toronto, Daniel Sprong in Seattle, Jimmy Vesey uh, with the Rangers, Nathan Bulia earlier in camp with Anaheim. I mean, a number of guys kind of went with no security and have found a way to extend their career by at least a year. And so I, I think... If I'm going to make a sentimental pick. It's, it's some of those, you know, I don't know as many of the rookies yet uh, that are coming into the league. I think those will be players we're talking about in the next couple of months as we get to know them and see what they can do. Cause there's, there's a number of players on entry-level deals that broke through and made camps, but you know, this is a, it's a great job. It's a demanding job and careers are pretty short. So anyone who, who went to camp and found a way to to keep it going, I, I tip my cap.
0: Um, I, you know, what's funny I, at first with this question, I thought, OK, there's someone around the league with some nice story. And I mentioned the beginning of the season and then I for kind of forgot that San Jose and Nashville have already played each other twice. And Nashville had Cody Glass, uh, a first round pick from a couple of years ago, make their team. And there's actually a really nice video that surfaced on the Internet a couple of days ago of David Poyle telling Cody Glass to his face in his office that he made the team. I don't know if, if you've seen that video or others watching our show, if you've seen it, if you can, you can find it on Twitter. It's a really great video.
1: Yeah. He, he, it was really nice. John Hines was in there too, the Predators coach. And and Cody gets emotional. And yeah, I think it just shows you what it means and all the work that goes into it. You know, as Cody mentioned in that video, he said, usually when you're having these meetings, it's not a good, good news. So maybe he went in there not knowing for sure he had made the team, but um I like that the the teams are sharing some of that that sort of behind the scenes content and and you're right those those two games that were played uh, in Prague yeah I, I think were probably great events on the ground but it it feels kind of funny uh that doesn't feel like that it's a soft launch to the season maybe we'll call it not not the real thing you know where we have you know as we're recording on Tuesday you know the avalanche going to do a banner raising and all that that kind of stuff I mean that 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 to me feels like the more traditional beginning of the season
0: did you are you like me in the sense that, like, you kind of forgot those games happened or or you feel like the marketing might not have been great? I mean, they also coincided with the start of the baseball playoffs as well. Like, for me, my attention was very divided consider, between those games and the baseball postseason. Like, that's how I feel about it.
1: Yeah, and I couldn't find them on t- TV either. So I, they might have been somewhere and I missed it. But I was looking uh, the first game. And I, I couldn't find it, so that also makes it feel a little more distant. I mean, look, it, it's it's a big thing for the league to have a presence in Europe. There's there's obviously a number of European players, you know. Even you know, seeing uh, Nashville go and play a preseason game in in Bern, in Switzerland, and and you know, having Roman Yossi as their captain. I mean, there's all sorts of nice stories that go on. Uh, you know, Thomas Hurdle of the Sharks, you know, getting to play in the Czech Republic, all that that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't, it didn't make a huge blip on my radar either, but let's face it. I was in, uh, very briefly was very excited for the blue Jays, uh, start of their playoffs. And then oh. I don't know if we want to go there, but that was, that was a, that was a painful exit.
0: I mean, if you want to dude, by all means, if you need to let stuff go, you need to vent about it by all means, please. Like that was, that was tough to watch.
1: It was tough to watch. I I don't have anything to vent on. You know, I'm sure some fans would choose to go through a list of decisions or that were made or not made uh, by the management. You know, I kind of look at it as some of that stuff is one in a million, the way that blue fly ball, unfortunately, lands. And then you have the collision you did. And just a lot of just wasn't really their day, I, I suppose. But, yeah, you score nine runs in a game. I think I saw a stack of bouncer on Twitter. The Jays had won 54 straight times when scoring nine runs until they're facing an elimination game and and managed to lose it. But uh, still optimistic, big term about the core of the team, big picture rather. Uh, but watching that Saturday, that was tough. Um, was with some family members, you know, Canadian Thanksgiving for any of our listeners abroad or in the U.S. So, you know, was with uh, my family watching it. And and the mood went from quite joyous to, uh you know, as though someone did something had happened in the room. But, uh, you know, I've, I've been a sports fan for a long time. I'm already I'm already on to the next thing.
0: OK, OK. Answer this question for me uh before we bring in David Bastel, for you can bet that. Yay or nay on the Jays pulling Kevin Gossman?
1: I'm nay and I was nay in the moment. So I can I feel like I can say that I just felt at that time with it being eight one, I know there's a couple of base runners on, but you were gearing up for what would have been a game three on Sunday. So, you know, I think that there was incentive to try to not get into your bullpen so much. Um, and so I would have given him a longer, a longer bit of rope there before making any other before taking him out of the game. But, uh, you know, easy to say sitting on my couch with a beer, uh, than than being in the heat and, and all the numbers that get run and all the, the things that go into those decisions. But, uh, I didn't like it in the moment just because they had such a big lead, and I thought he was actually humming along pretty well.
0: Okay, I could tell this is very painful for you, so we could get off the blue chase for a a moment. Did my mood drop,
1: Uh, like, immediately?
0: Oh, my God, it did. (laughs) It did. felt so bad. Um, But I'm with you. I felt Kevin Gossman should have at least finished the inning. Uh, But, we, you know, we have the benefit of hindsight. In this case, Uh, but yeah, sucks for the Toronto Blue Jays, but the the rest of the baseball playoffs are going to be good. The the NHL regular season promises to be very good. And uh, now it's time to bring on David Bastel from Sports Interaction. As always, uh, for those 19 and over, Ontario only, we ask that you play responsibly. There is a link to Responsible Gaming Strategies in the description of this show. It's time for You Can Bet That. Bring it on, DB. So for the rest of the show, here's how we're going to map it out. We're going to deal with the Hockey Canada news first with uh, Andrea Skinner, the interim board chair, resigning. Uh, there was a blurb in a Steve Simmons column that we are going to get to. But not long after that, I'm going to ask you, CJ, for some season predictions ahead of the start of uh, the Leafs regular season. The, the, every other team outside of the Nashville Predators and the San Jose Sharks getting their season going. Uh, it's fun. I keep saying that you know the start of the regular season is this week but again uh there were games played the week before it is weird with how that plays out but uh, I will give you uh the chance to provide some predictions and of course ask CJ will come after that but uh, let's start with hockey canada because uh it's just another development in the ongoing news cycle with when it comes to that story and not to bring up the blue jays again but while most of canada was watching uh game 2 of that wild card series That is when uh, Andrea Skinner decided to uh, or at least that's when Hockey Canada decided to announce that she had resigned effective immediately from Hockey Canada. We spoke a bit about uh, some of the things that she said during uh, the most recent parliamentary hearing. Now she is no longer associated with Hockey Canada. CJ, what's, what's next? And also, what are your thoughts on how that went down?
1: Well... I don't have an issue with the timing so much. You know, I, I don't know that this is bearing the news. I think it's more just everything's coming apart at the seams and it doesn't matter. It's it's not just Monday to Friday business hours right now for that organization. Uh, I'm not that surprised. You know, we actually highlighted this in our Thursday show, but when Andrea Skinner was asked by the parliamentary committee about her own intentions to, to run for the position again in a few weeks time, she was noncommittal. So, you know, at that point in time, it was pretty clear she was considering her own future and, and, you know, I still think that this is the tip of the iceberg in terms of the changes we're going to see come here. I mean, since we've last recorded the mayors of of Moncton and Halifax have put out sort of a a joint statement, you know, saying essentially that there needs to be meaningful change within Hockey Canada to hold the world junior tournament in their cities in in December. Um, I believe that the premier of Nova Scotia has made similar type of remarks as well to, to reporters there. So, you know, we, we've been through that. The number of corporate sponsors putting on a, you know, basically putting on pressure by removing their sponsorship. It's pretty clear the the Parliament to and and the the MPs involved there are are going to, you know, have another round of, of questioning, and um, you know now now the the board doesn't have a leader, and so you know I'm, I I don't know sort of been consistent with this. I, I'm not sure. You're sort of you're you're watching something fall apart in real time. I'm not sure if 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 the elbow comes off next or the kneecap or, you know, what other piece of the the organization. But, you know, I, I think that we're going to see it stripped down Um just a matter of when, not if uh, given the various pressures that uh, hockey Canada is under.
0: Man, I have an issue with that timing. I get that fine hockey Canada is not just relying on Monday to Friday as their business hours, but they could have picked another time for that news to come out. Not while everyone is tweeting about the blue Jays or focused on so many other things or random Saturday afternoon.
1: But if she it resigns just, on a Saturday, you got to announce it on a Saturday. I mean, what?
0: I agree, but I'm at not the same sure. time, Go this ahead. is
1: not an orderly to me. This is not an order. It's it's not like when, you know, someone's going to leave for months and you can plan it or something like I, I think, I think we have to be somewhat sympathetic to the fact that's happening in real time, um, and look, and I'm I, I get cynical about this stuff all the time. And like that that whole Friday 5 p.m. news dump thing, like, like that's sort of a joke. But it's a joke because a lot of organizations or people have, have used it to to put out bad news. But I think in a case like this, um, you know, and look, Andrew Skinner mentioned a parliamentary parliamentary committee about you know some of the the threats and things she's received too. Um, which is, you know, certainly not deserved in her case. I mean, she was, she was installed as an interim figurehead after, the, you know, the the person that was there when all the, you know, a lot of the what we're talking about happened. Um, you know, she was trying to steer them through the turbulent period, um, even if we, of course, didn't agree with a lot of what she said in that parliamentary hearing. But um, anyway, I, I, I think the bigger issue is just, you know, we record again in two days. Like it wouldn't surprise me if there's more news between then and now. I just. It feels like this is finally picking up steam, and I don't see anyone letting off. I, I don't. I don't. Basically, every every way that they could be feeling heat and being under pressure, they're 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 there. And you know, I just I don't see it going away, whether they announce things on Saturday at four in the morning, or on on Monday at at ten a.m. I just you know, I, I, there's no there's no getting away from this one. I think that, um, I think that the beginning of the end is is starting to to take fruition here.
0: To your point, I think the last time we recorded uh, and spoke about Hockey Canada, I said, don't be surprised if you come across more news of more sponsors dropping. And sure enough, other entities decided that they were going to either withhold or just flat out suspend their commitments to Hockey Canada. So this is very much a fluid story. It is entirely possible by the time you get this podcast, there may be more developments to come. Uh, That story went down. Uh, I got to admit, I got to admit, like this past weekend in terms of just general hockey stories was was pretty tough. I know we're focusing a bit more on Hockey Canada and Steve Simmons, but uh, between the, the story of the uh, trainer being dismissed from Bakersfield Condors and, and the Ian Cole story uh, out in Tampa Bay, just generally a, a tough weekend in terms of tough stories, not just involving the NHL. Uh, but that was it, just at least for me. It was just one thing after another, and I just thought that was pretty tough. I don't know how you stomached a lot of that news.
1: Yeah, it's heavy, man. I mean, no one likes hearing any of these things. I don't. I don't think. I mean, it's it's a it's a difficult period. It's been a difficult few years. Like I, I, I see it as part of kind of a larger trend. Um, there's a lot of things are breaking apart in society, and there's. A lot of people gone through tough times and, and certain things are coming to the surface. So, I mean, I go back over our year as a podcast. I mean, we, we were talking about Kyle Beach a lot uh, last year and, and the follow-up from, from that situation. Um, and, you know, it, it's it's sort of continued on. And so I'm, I'm with you. It's it's a heavy-ass time. You know, I think that the difference with, you know, the Steve Simmons and Akeem Aliu situation, what separates it is it's just so unnecessary. Like, there's, there's just like no possible reason that it has to happen you know whereas you know some of the other issues there there is these things have happened and and people are being held to account for something you know in, in this case you know with the the toronto sun column and and you know basically to perform character assassination on someone in a dot 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 thoughts column is just i mean it's unacceptable on every level and and um you know just again just like i it's awful, despicable, deplorable, but it, it, there was just no reason for it to, to have happened. I mean, even if an editor or something would have been nice there or something, it just, it just didn't need to appear in print. It was unnecessary.
0: It's a joke. I'm not even going to bother going through everything that uh, Steve Simmons wrote, but to just kind of denigrate and belittle Aliu's experiences as a professional hockey player and and say that he like, what does he know? about what's so bad about the game is just incredibly short-sighted and just you have to give your head a shake to be quite honest with you it's just but also at the same time considering all the stuff you hear about Steve Simmons are we really that surprised I'm not surprised I, I don't I'm I'm not even in this market I'm not surprised
1: I, I yeah I, I don't know what that, like to me a major part of our job is to try and put ourselves in the shoes of someone else. And obviously I'm sitting here as a white man, Steve Simmons is a white man the, I have not had the experiences Akim Aliu has had in society, in his hockey career, all those things, but I, it is my role to try to at least understand what that might be like to listen um, and, and to, to be sympathetic to that, you know, and I'm sure like any other person walking this earth Along the way, Aliu has made his mistakes too. Like that, that's not really what's at issue here. I think what's at issue is trying to to question his experiences um, because they're 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 right there. They're plain to see. You know, Bill Peters lost his job. You know, I, I don't think that anyone's saying it didn't happen. Do you know what I mean? So, um, you know, I, yeah, I just I I can't believe that that happened. Frankly, I mean, there's there's varying levels of of things that go on in the media, obviously you know, Steve Simmons has been a successful columnist for a long time. He works for a tabloid newspaper, you know, part of the model of, of that is, is, you know, taking contrarian stances and the like, but this is, this isn't, this isn't a stance. This isn't like taking a stance on whether Kevin Gossman should have been pulled in a, in a playoff game or not. You know what I mean? This is, this is real life. It's someone's life. And, and, you know, I, I'd say, I thought Akeem Aliu did a nice job, very nice, very strong job of defending himself and reacting to that. With a video, I like seeing Anthony DeClaire and Wayne Simmons, Nazem Kadri, you know, other men members of the Hockey Diversity Alliance step up and and have have his back and and you know speak out about, against this. I mean, that's that's probably the the best support that that you can have in something like this. But again, it just it just shouldn't happen. I mean, I, I don't know that there's there's much more that I can say than that.
0: Yeah, it's it's a joke. That's that's the best thing I could really say, and I'm not going to waste too much more breath on that because i think i've gone through enough of the emotions surrounding it but i am glad that uh, we were able to take some time to point out how much of a of a dumb take that really was and not just try to shoehorn around it and be like oh it's there for itself it's a dumbass take from steve simmons i'm willing to go on record with that so i'm good with leaving it as it is no
1: arguing for me man no arguing for me
0: <laughs> no and with that, um, we can actually get to more lighter stuff on the CJ show. I know how much you love predictions, CJ, but uh it's All time right. for you to ki- give <laughs> it's time for you to give your predictions ahead of the season. Uh, there I go saying ahead of the season again. Uh, I'd love to know if you can uh just give me your picks for some of these uh different categories I've brought up here. I think I've got about six different six or seven different things I want to know from you to start. I would love to know. And I think you kind of mentioned it uh, previously, your sleeper team uh, for this uh, season.
1: Well, in my crystal ball here as I watch CJ's
0: crystal ball,
1: as I watch it all go around all the energy. It is speaking to me that the New Jersey devils are going to be my sleeper team. I don't really know how to define a sleeper team if I'm being honest. Um, but I, I just could see them being a team that has a pretty big improvement in the standings with a simple thing. And, and it's not simple when you don't have it, but, but getting better goaltending. I think that they were a team that had better results than what the results in the standings showed in some ways. And, you know, they, they've got good young players that I think are going to get better. I like their, their offseason to a degree. I know they were trying to, to make even more of a splash than they ultimately did. Um, but you know, I, I, I think a couple things go right for the devils and, and I certainly could see them sleep, uh, sneaking into a wild card spot in the Eastern conference. And remember, there's a huge gap between the teams that made the playoffs and the ones that didn't in the East last year. I mean, it, there was, I've seen it. Some people in their predictions are basically predicting the same eight teams. And I think it's rational because if you're predicting somebody else to go in there, you're, you're basically predicting a 20 point jump, um, mm-hmm. for another team. But, uh, yeah, the Devils are, are a team I think will be much better this year in the standings than they were last year, and I could even see them slipping into the playoffs.
0: Okay, what about uh, the team that will end up being the most overrated? Kind of the opposite of sleeper.
1: Well, who's, who's highly rated? I, I think that the team that, that's poised for the biggest drop-off to me is the Florida Panthers, a team that won the President's Trophy last year. Uh, I don't know that they're overrated because, you know, I don't know if people are talking them up as now they're going to win a Stanley Cup after that Matthew Kachuk trade. But, you know, just looking at their team on paper from where they were, it's hard for me not to see some kind of decline this season. Um, I don't know if that counts as overrated, but uh, certainly I I think that they're the team most poised to take a, a step back among kind of the elite teams that we had in the league last year. Um, you know, maybe the Ottawa Senators are overrated a little bit. Um, if I'm taking the spirit of the question a little bit differently, but, but so much hype around them. I think it's going to be hard for them to live up to that hype with a blue line that, that still includes Travis Hamanick and Nikita Zaitsev in their top six. I, I you know, I just think that there's a lot of questions about how they're going to defend the goaltending is no sure thing. You know, unfortunately, Cam Talbot starting the year with an injury. Uh, Anton Forsberg had a great season last year but not a huge track record of course as a number one who could play a lot of games and so I think despite the fact that I like a lot of the young forwards and I I think there is reason to be excited in in the broader marketplace it might be a little overrated um, by some who are expecting this massive leap up the standings I I, I'm not sure I see it that way just because they have still got some pretty significant holes there.
0: Okay, all right. I like these picks so far for sleeper and overrated. How about your Calder trophy pick?
1: i got to go with Matty Beniers. Um, you know, I, I just think he's going to play a lot of minutes. He clearly, I mean, he's, he's played 10 NHL games last season, and had nine points. Uh, he's looked really good in the preseason. I, I just think a lot of things line up for him to have a big first full NHL season and, and put up points, which tends to be what, what helps win players the Rookie of the Year award. Um, you know, obviously consider Owen Power in that mix too, but just think for a defenseman, it's, it's going to be a little tougher. And so, you know, it wouldn't surprise me, frankly, if Veneers ends up leading the Kraken in scoring this year. Um, and, you know, if he were to do that, it, I think that that's a pretty clear path to getting the attention of voters and, and winning the Calder.
0: I think he's going to win the Calder now. I know I've I've been on the Owen Power train. I have changed my mind. Watching him play live made me change my mind. If I had an opportunity to vote for that award today, I mean, that wouldn't make sense, but Maddie <laughs> Bedeers is my what preseason pick. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. Sorry. Anything
1: you've Sorry. seen till today doesn't count for the awards. So, no. Everything you've
0: <laughs> seen. Yeah. Uh, hey, it'd be nice uh, to have an opportunity to vote for an award uh, by the end of this year. Let's see how that goes. Um, how about the Vezina trophy? I'm going to go a
1: little off the board and say UC Soros. And look, he's, he's been in the mix. Welcome brother.
0: Welcome to the UC Soros trade. Let's do it.
1: And I'm going to be honest and I think when you're doing these predictions, I'm trying not to just like, if I said Vasilevsky or Shostakhin, like is everyone's almost expecting that. And so frankly, nothing against those players. I'm trying to imagine who else could win. That isn't sort of the more obvious pick. Um, so I'm I'm really not pretending there's any science behind behind this great selections of mine, but you know, Saros has been a a top flight goalie for a while. Like I could see Nashville actually being a little bit of a sleeper kind of team. I haven't seen a ton of hype about them uh, entering the year, but you know, I, that, as I mentioned, they kind of play a little bit differently, and and I think that he could be a difference maker for them. Maybe they have a season people aren't expecting, and he you know, he plays a lot of games too. Um, you know, more than most of his his counterparts. And so I think he's going to have an ability to, to compile some pretty nice stats. And, and so if I'm trying to build a case for one of the non-obvious goalies to win or non-really, really obvious goalies to win, I'm going UC Sorrows.
0: Give me your pick for the Hart Trophy.
1: Kale McCarr, uh, I think. Oh, if, okay. I think that the Kale McCarr hype train has left the station, and he's still young, man. Twenty-three. Like, like, there's no reason to think he's still not going to have better season than what he's had. And you know, he, he had a season last year to, to put himself in the hall of fame. So um, I, I think that it's, it's been a hard word, hard to trophy for defensemen to win. I think Chris Pronger in 2000 might've been the last yes. defenseman to claim the Hart trophy. Uh, but Kale McCarr is capable of doing it. I mean, let's say he gets to a hundred points this year and the avalanche are as great as we expect them to be. I mean, I, that, that could be enough to win, even though I, I don't, think he's going to win the scoring title per se um you know austin matthews won the, the hard trophy last season without you know having the most points in the league i did have the most goals of course and it had an impressive total of goals i think if a defenseman got to 100 points and it's Kale, the way keel mccarr plays i mean to me that that could create the the scenario where he wins and so uh all eyes are on him at this point and i think he's just in a position to have an even better year than what he had last year no pressure of course but uh um, I, I, I could see him very much breaking the the mold of it being, a, being basically a, an award exclusively for forwards, although I knew, do know a couple goalies have won too.
0: Is uh, Austin Matthews going to lead the league in goals again?
1: I think he will. I think he will. I mean, if, if you look at the difference between him and the next best by goals per game, uh, it's pretty wide. And so he'd have to have a real fall off or just not play a lot of games or have somebody else explode. I mean, I I don't have the numbers in front of me, Julian, but remember he scored 60 goals last year, but he missed 10 games. Um, You know, and so, and and if you look at the previous season and even the previous one to that, uh, the one that was called the, due to the the pandemic, it was ended early ended up, I think missing sharing the rocket by one goal. But I mean, even that year, he probably could have won it. I mean, um, if over three seasons, anyway, he scored more than a quarter, I think a goal per game than anyone else. And so, Uh, he's healthy he had a full training camp this year which he didn't have last year uh, because he had some wrist surgery prior right prior to the season and so i i think it's going to be hard to unseed him just yet
0: give me your conference champions who comes out the east who comes out the west
1: in the the west i've got the edmonton oilers uh making it all the way to the stanley cup final going one step further than they went last year so no colorado gonna require somebody to upset colorado along the way i recognize that um that's not a slam dunk by any stretch but i i think edmonton is poised to have a good year they're going to be aggressive i would think leading up to the trade deadline i don't see any major points of concern i know i've talked about jack campbell a little bit you would just wonder how it's going to go with him but um to me the oilers have all the ingredients needed to contend for a championship and probably need to be playing well at the right time, but we saw McDavid and Dry all do stuff in last year's playoffs. I know it only lasted, you know, two rounds where they were really making that kind of impact, but but it was pretty eye-opening. And so i have got Edmonton coming out of the, the West. And then just mm. because I like a good story and an underdog, I'm gonna have Pittsburgh coming out of the East. And you'll have Connor like McDavid that. against his his uh idol Sidney Crosby in a cup final. It'd be pretty cool. I mean, just from a storyline standpoint. Uh, and, and, you know, I think the reason I side with Pittsburgh, again, looking for a team that could maybe surprise is that the Metro is still a little mushy for me. Um, you know, I I think Carolina probably would be my favorite to win that division. But you know when I look back at Pittsburgh last year, I mean, they gave the Rangers all they could handle in round one and they did it with Louis Domingue, their third string goaltender at the time, uh, playing games in that series. And really the series turned when Sidney Crosby was knocked out of it. Uh, I think if, if he wasn't knocked out of it, they'd probably get by the Rangers in round one. And so I know Pittsburgh hasn't won a playoff series for a few seasons running now, but I think you look at those series, they haven't been that far off. And so this is a, you know, it's not full last dance season for the Penguins. They signed, you know, some of their veterans for a couple more years, but you know, pretty clearly those guys are getting down to their, their final chances. And, uh, I'm predicting a bit of a Cinderella type run for them to the, to the final where Edmonton's going to. Lift the lift the mug.
0: Could, okay. Before we get to, uh, we talk a little bit more about why you think is going to win the cup. Could you imagine the last two post seasons for Pittsburgh, uh, if goaltending doesn't let them down? As you're about to enjoy a coffee crisp.
1: Yeah, bud. Halloween chocolate season this year.
0: So you're going to answer my question, or you're just going to just do ASMR the whole time?
1: <laughs> no. I yeah, the goaltending has somewhat let them down. I mean, of course, last year I don't know what any team expects out of their third goaltender. I mean, you're just hoping you can patch it together and get your guys healthy, but um, you know that could be a difference maker for Pittsburgh. And and I, I don't think they're going to be much worse. You know, I, I don't see any reason to see a real step back for them. I mean, every year older that Malkin and Crosby get, you wonder you know how healthy can they stay, but I mean, these guys have just done it for 16, 17, 18 years in the league. Um obviously father time is undefeated, but I still think I still think they're difference-making players and and they have a pretty good supporting cast, and maybe the setting goes a little different and, and we'll see. I mean, I can't predict another it'd be safe to predict another Colorado Tampa final. And let's face it, if that happened, I don't think we'd all be all that surprised. Um, but i tried to go with something a little different, and so I'm I'm calling Edmonton, Pittsburgh, and I'm sticking with it until the, those teams have no games left to play.
0: I'm picking, uh, by the way, Colorado, New York Rangers. I'm being on the Rangers this year. I think they have everything it takes to make it to uh, a Stanley Cup final. I think last year was a really big jump in their evolution, and this could be a team. I'm, 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 hey, I could be wrong, but I think this is could that could be a team that could be really good in that Eastern Conference for a very long time.
1: Yeah, they got all the pieces to do it. We'll see what happens.
0: By the way, uh, coffee crisp is genuinely a good chocolate. We can both agree on coffee crisp.
1: I like that there's peace on this Tuesday morning on our pod.
0: Peace. Uh, Can you go into more detail? Why the Edmonton Oilers over Pittsburgh in the Stanley Cup final?
1: All the best players have to win a cup eventually. I mean, I realize there's some exceptions to that, but um, I just think it it will be McDavid's time at some point and dry all. And, you know, they're, it's their time. I think that's, that's, that's as simple as it is. Uh, I don't have crazy strong feelings. And as I probably should have put a stronger disclaimer on this, like what the heck do I know? Nobody, nobody, (laughs) nobody be taking any of this with nothing more than a grain of salt. Um, But I, I, I think Edmonton, look at the, usually there's six, seven, eight teams, that have a chance to win truly in the NHL. I mean, that's, that's my rough guide. I think Edmonton is clearly in that group of teams for me. And so I'm trying to sketch out which one of them might, might go. And uh it wouldn't, I mean, really wouldn't surprise me entering the season though, in all seriousness, if the Oilers won the cup, I don't think it's a preposterous thing to say. Uh They got the, their gates blown off by the avalanche in the Western conference final last season, but you know, it's a new year. The avalanche lost some players that, it is tough to go back to back, even though we've just seen Tampa do it. And, and obviously Pittsburgh did it in 2016 and 17. It's not impossible, but you know, before that it had been almost 20 years since, since any team had done it. And so I, I just think the cap era, it's really hard to stay at the top of the mountain for, for too long. And so I think 97 uh, is going to find his way up there. Uh, one of these years. And, and why not this one?
0: Also really cool that uh, you think the Edmonton Oilers are going to win the Stanley cup in episode 99. Of the CJ show. That's not lost on me.
1: There you go. That wasn't planned because I put this in my North Star Bets newsletter on Monday. So before I didn't realize it was 99th episode and I'd already picked this to to be consistent. My predictions need to be the same in every medium. So that's (laughs) uh, just a little bit of a coincidence right there.
0: All right. It's time for Ask CJ. We do this at the beginning of every week when we record episodes, uh, normally on a Monday, but we're recording on a Tuesday this week because uh, some of us are just getting through being stuffed of thanksgiving turkey
1: i've got a turkey hangover bud i gotta be honest and it's not a hangover hangover it's not related to alcohol it's like literally just no. so much bread and stuffing and potatoes and turkey
0: uh
1: i gotta run a half marathon this weekend and <laughs> i'm wishing it didn't come a week after thanksgiving i feel like i might have overdone it
0: were you with uh uh cobert poppy for uh, Thanksgiving?
1: Absolutely. Saw the the man, the myth, the legend. Uh, and the the rest of my family was really nice down in Coburg. So it's a, always a good time to to get together and try to try to hold off the snow a little bit longer when went for a walk with the kids and all that stuff. But uh starting to feel pretty cold down there. So winter's coming, brother.
0: Yeah, I felt that too here in uh in Calgary. I got to spend time with some relatives out in the city. That was that was really nice. Hopefully everyone watching or listening enjoyed Thanksgiving as well. Uh, Let's get to these questions. (laughs) This one's pretty straightforward from Bob Q types poorly on discord. Explain season opening injured reserve, please.
1: Uh, uh, So (laughs) for players, you know, there's one, the Leafs have a a player by the name of Carl Dahlstrom uh, who got injured in a preseason game and is going to be put on season-opening injured reserve because he's out six months uh, following shoulder surgery. And for players that weren't regular NHLers the prior year, they don't count a full uh, amount against the cap. And I'm going to mess this up a little bit, but but for simplicity's sake or from broad strokes, there's a blended rate between how many days the player spent last year on the NHL roster. In Dahlstrom's case, I think it's around 20, 21, something like that. And so you project that forward, you know, the Leafs only incur a cap charge at about 80,000 because he wasn't projected to be on the team this year, but he's, he's going to be out the whole time. And so it's just a different way for players that enter the season to to have their cap hit calculated. Um, You know, Timothy Lilligren, as an example, again, in Toronto's case also got injured prior to the season. He's just on long-term injured reserve to start the year because first of all, he'll be back sooner um than Dalstrom, and he does count in his full cap it because he was an NHL player last year so I'm probably botched that somewhat um I I understand the cap well but I I said said this to someone recently it's like I get seven eighths of the way there and then I mess up one little detail uh so I'm not gonna pretend that that was a a perfect explanation but it's, it's the gist of what goes on is that um players that are injured that aren't basically full-time NHLers don't count their full cap it because they weren't supposed to be full-time NHLers, and they're starting the season on injured reserve.
0: That explanation is good enough for me. Um, From Dallas Stars fan on Discord, since CJ is an Antonio Ramiro Romo fan and jersey owner, do you think Tony Romo is an adequate announcer, or does he drop the ball at crucial times? <laughs> oh, I think he's...
1: A more than adequate announcer. And I will say this, if the Dallas Cowboys ever had a defense like they have this year remotely at this level during Romo's career, they would have won a lot more playoff games with him as their quarterback. I, I think he took an undue amount of criticism for a team that couldn't play both sides of the ball during his time. It's not to say he didn't make mistakes. We can go through them. I watched all those games. I lived and died with those ones, much like the Jays lost on Saturday. But uh, Romo never had an elite defense, uh, and I think that that held the team back during his years. And lo and behold, now they don't really have a quarterback with Dak Prost- Prescott injured, but they're winning lots of games because their defense is a wall.
0: We don't have to go through all those Dallas Cowboys games if you want to, CJ. Uh, once,
1: was, once was enough.
0: Once was enough.
1: They also got uh, jobbed on a call in Green Bay where the ball was caught and they made up some rule. I think Des Bryant. Anyway, I don't want need to go through all this, but they they got. <laughs>
0: <jobbed>. <laughs> we need to do a bonus episode where we relive all of CJ's painful sporting moments as a sporting fan. <laughs> I'd do uh, top that. ten. I top that. ten most painful sporting moments. Uh, actually, no. You don't have to do top 10. Just give me your most painful sporting fan memory. Like what's a, what's a moment you look back as your time as a sporting fan. And you're just like, like, I can't look back at this moment because this is just so much pain.
1: It was a Saturday in October and I had tickets to the next day's game. And what would have been the decider in the wild? Oh, and really? It's that eight one. And oh, it seemed like there was no way that I wouldn't be going to the game the next day to the point I was oh. making plans and figuring everything out. And then I watched them pour oil all over themselves and light a match.
0: So that's actually the most painful sporting moment. No, sporting it's the most,
1: no. most recent.
0: Um, I'll tell
1: you, the Jays, I was, pretty, uh, I was pretty emotionally involved in 2015 and 16. But 15 in particular, I, I attended the bat flip game. They felt like a team of destiny to me. And watching them lose to Kansas City in the ALCS was pretty painful, honestly. Like, I just thought that team was going to find a way. Um, yeah, I mean, we could go – like, the Cowboys have broken my heart. I mean, look at it. Being a sports fan means, like, most years your team loses. Like, it's just a fact. Even even the great teams that have won a few championships, if you're, if you're old enough, you've seen them lose 20 times. So, um, the Jays have delivered some of them for me just because it's a team I really get into you know, the nature of my work, Julian, I'm off in the summer. So I, I tend to be able to really get excited about them through July and August. And even into September, I've got the time to devote to basically watching every game and going down to a bunch. And so, yeah, the Jays have been kind of close a few times here in the last years. And and I, I can't say a wild card series is, is the most painful because they were a long way from doing the thing. And I think it would have been a real tough challenge, but I was pretty optimistic I entered the playoffs. And then two days later, the season's over.
0: Damn. My answer is going to be Manchester United losing the Premier League on the final day to Manchester City. That is the most painful moment I've had as a sportsman. It's painful. I was in church when all that was going on, and I was following on my phone, and I really thought I was going to go home and see United win. And it took me a whole year before I struck up the courage to watch Sergio Aguero score the uh, match-winning goal to win it for... For Manchester City, it is literally just hearing Aguero from I think it's uh, uh, Martin Tyler who calls that. It's it's literally like I, I I I almost get into tears. It's it's that painful. It it hurts my heart so much. Yeah,
1: Ugh. I mean this is sports, but this is what we sign up for. That's why when you win, it's just it's almost such a surprise that your team actually pulls it through, right? I mean, I was lucky to see the Jays win a couple World Series when I was a young kid, but then it's been, you know, 30 years since where I've been a fan all those years, and, and they haven't got back and done the thing. So um, when they win the 2023 World Series, I'm going to be pretty happy.
0: Ooh, okay. All right. I remember that. <laughs> all right. To keep myself from crying about Man United, let's get to these, the rest of these questions. Uh, who do you think your SDP brethren are overrating and underrating in their season predictions? From boot from Bootmaster Ben on Discord. I haven't heard their predictions. Oh, they have a whole bunch of season previews we should get to.
1: Well, I don't know, but I I, I can't uh <laughs> I can't add to that one because I don't know who they're overrating or underrating.
0: That's actually a very fair point. Um the one thing I will say is uh in the Calgary Flames one, obviously I have to pay attention to that one. Um, I think at one point they kind of described Nasim Kadri as like a number one center. Uh, I think he's probably going to be more number two they the let Elias Lindholm be number one. But uh, uh, that's that's more of a of a of a not critique, but like that's more of an observation more than anything else.
1: I just let the cat out of the bag that I don't listen to hockey podcasts. <laughs> And I, I mean that, like, I don't listen to any of them. I obviously don't listen to our show because we do our show. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't listen to, I don't listen to Elliot and Jeff, my buddies that do 32 Thoughts. I actually sometimes I listen to Jonas Siegel and James Myrtle with the Leaf Report. Sometimes I, I do like that, that. that one. But generally, I, I don't like sports podcasts. Like, it's not because I don't like them. I just live sports all the time. And so I like to try to mix it up with my, my podcast listening when I'm out for a run or what have you.
0: All right, well... Uh, I listened sorry, to the episode Bootmaster.
1: about Je- about Adam getting married. Because <laughs> I was intrigued to hear the story. So it's not like I never listen to the SDP, but I'm, I can't listen to every show.
0: Yeah. Sorry, Bootmaster Ben. Uh, we'll make up for it the next time. Um, how about this one from Aaron Schmeling on Twitter? What was your favorite Halloween costume as a kid?
1: Super Mario. Oh,
0: I, uh, that must have been so cool.
1: I had a pretty cool... My mom was big on making the costumes, like not just going and buying a perfect costume. And she made a pretty cool Super Mario back in the day. And, you know, I was big into Nintendo and Super Nintendo as a kid. I didn't, I didn't, I haven't carried a love of video games forward, but when I was sort of the, the right age to have a lot of free time to be playing them, I, I loved the Mario games. And so that was probably my favorite, uh, probably my favorite costume.
0: Are you aware that uh, a Super Mario Bros. movie is coming out? I'm not, but yes. I
1: would be all over that.
0: Uh, yes, there is one. A trailer just came out for it last week. Well, that's great. How soon will it be out? Uh, I don't remember exactly when, uh, but uh, hey, a Super Mario Bros. movie, and it's animated too. Nice. I'll, uh, I'll gladly do a
1: CJ's movie review on that.
0: Yes, yes, that's actually something we should do.
1: <laughs> my brother-in-law and nephew were really talking up a Top Gun: Maverick over Thanksgiving weekend as well, so I'm I'm hoping to see that at some point in the next few
0: days. You should or be weeks. able to stream it because it it should be like on like Amazon Prime or something. You should be able to stream it by now.
1: Right. It's just the problem is the hockey season starts today, and you know you know what most nights are going to look like in my living room.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. A lot um, of talk. yeah i wasn't thinking otherwise um from chris weir 88 on twitter thoughts of a franchise tag idea for the nhl one player gets the tag and is and is exempt from the cap every year i like it he's on the tag
1: i'd like to you know look at i think that the nhl from a enjoyment standpoint would benefit from not having as hard a salary cap as it does but there's a reason that's in place and that's because it does guarantee the owners a certain amount of the, the revenues 50 50 with the players. And I don't think the owners are going to give that up too easily. So I'm not by any stretch thinking that we'll see that happen, but I I'd like it. I, I think anywhere the top players could get paid what they're worth, like truly worth without it having to be punitive to their team would be interesting. And, you know, I think it, it could, create some interesting wrinkles to, to how the, the system works. But, you know, I think it's kind of, it's a little crummy that the top guys now to, to really push for 20% of the cap, which is the most they can sign for. I mean, there's an element. If you do that, you're going to impair your team's ability to put the, a good enough group around you. And you know, I, don't, I don't really, I don't really love the implications of that system, but look, it was collectively bargained between the owners and players. And so that's, that's what they play with.
0: Final question for you from uh, M Manager Mike. We've all heard about the great chocolate bar controversy on the podcast, but what we really want to know, what is the best brand of chips and what flavor reigns supreme? Oh,
1: I'm an all-dressed chips fan mm. and usually ruffles. But I like all-dressed in all its forms, so I, it's not the this- <laughs> But if I was going, I don't buy a lot of chips because I know that I would eat them. So I try, I try to limit the intake by not having them around the house. But if I was going to buy chips, I would almost certainly get all-dressed ruffles if uh, if I had my, my full pick.
0: That's in my top five. I all like. All right.
1: Aldress. We have Here's some it. harmony on the chip front.
0: Yeah. I, I'm a big Doritos guy. Doritos is my favorite. But like all Doritos, ketchup chips from Lay's, uh, ruffles all-dressed. That's like elite tier, I think. Um, Lay's old fashioned barbecue and um, Cape Cod kettle, cor- kettle, kettle cooked chips. They're they're up there. I'm glad it's that it is. Too.
1: I was going to say, I'm glad that it is Halloween candy season, because now I can when I eat these on the pod, I'm not eating a full chocolate bar at 9 a.m. I'm just having a little guy.
0: Yeah, I I, I was getting worried that you're going to start bringing like those two bar ones. <laughs>
1: But I, you know, I just like to keep it real. Just trying to represent the bars I think are better, in Henry, by eating them on the pod.
0: And with that, that's going to do it for our Monday edition of the Chris Johnston Show. Let's, Let's sign off, off, okay? I'm not doing this fight with you again. We're the not good
1: news, this. the good news is, if we were ever in the same house and there's chocolate, we wouldn't be fighting for the same thing. It's so like we don't have to agree, right? Like there's that, there's some, there's some beauty in that.
0: Yeah, I I guess there is some beauty in the fact that you like inferior chocolate. (laughs) Is
1: that your side off?
0: Let's get to to the end of this show before my good mood completely evaporates. In all seriousness, thank you so much for sending in questions. Uh, Siege, always great doing these shows with you. Thanks for being a great sport with the predictions, by the way. Great job. I know you hate doing them, but uh, we need them for content.
1: Yes. Crosby McDavid final. Book it.
0: Let's do it. Um, we'll be back on Thursday with a brand new episode. Stick Taps will be coming as well. And uh, check out all of the other great shows on the SDPN, including uh, the latest from Alan Walsh's podcast, Agent Provocateur. For CJ, I'm Julian. So long and peace.
1: The Chris Johnston Show,
0: powered by Sports Interaction, Canada's sports blog.
1: Inside the game, twice a week. Follow Chris on Twitter at reporterchris, and follow Julian McKenzie at JK McKenzie.
0: The Chris Johnston Show.